Hello, sweet poppies. Welcome to Art Poppy, your essential podcast on art and the creative industry during quarantine. Today, we have our special guest, Donta. They are a wonderful filmmaker and a fantastic person. This is episode eight. Enjoy. So what, what, is, what did you find to be the most challenging part of filmmaking and how do you overcome that? The most challenging part, at least, I think for me is overcoming the fear of the unknown. I think a lot of people who, I'm an actor who has always written and always, you know, kind of directed my own little plays and things in my backyard. And I did theater in college and stuff. So like leaving that position and going into the role of director, you, you, you know, you find yourself feeling sometimes inadequate because you feel like, okay, well, I don't know everything. Like, will people trust me? Will my actors trust me? Will my crew look to me for guidance? Um, Letting go of that and just learning to trust yourself and the things that you've learned, um, that was the hardest thing for me. That was the most challenging, learning to trust myself and my judgment and saying, okay, that's what somebody else would have did, but this is is what I want and this is what I'm seeing and this is what we're gonna do. Um, That was tough. But I was able to do it, and I'm I'm still growing, and I hope on my next film, you know, that even after the filming process, as you guys know, like even going through editing and sitting through that, you're like, oh, if I would have just did X, Y, and Z, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but you can't go back and do it because you shot it seven months ago. Yeah. <laughs> the budget is there's no budget, you know. Let's keep it real. Yeah. Um, so that was I think the toughest thing. Like, and I'm 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 not even kidding. I'm far more confident moving forward after this experience than I did, than I was going into Lyme. And I'm just loving that. I'm, I'm taking that. I'm like, you know what? But that was the hardest part, trusting me. You got to trust yourself. It's your art. Trust you. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being authentic to who you are and what your voice is, I feel like that's the most important lesson I've learned too. It's just you have to, if you try to be someone else or imitate what you see, it's like you'll never unlock your true potential to and reach that that greatness within yourself. I love that. And I think, like, let's talk, like, what you just said. That's why we love the directors or filmmakers that we love. The ones that maybe broke the rules or didn't do it the way that everyone else did it. That's why you become a Tarantino. That's why you become a Spike Lee. That's why you become a Ari Aster or the Safdie brothers. Like, you don't do that chasing someone else's waterfalls. You know? Exactly. And I also feel like it's just singularity of thought and individual vision and sticking to that completely. Those are always the films that really impact people and really last mm-hmm. when the director, it's clear that, you know, obviously they have amazing crews helping them and amazing, the best people they can find supporting their vision and they couldn't do it without them. But it's like you, when you can see their eye on it, their mark on it, their hand, then you know it's theirs and those are the ones that really resonate because yeah. one person truly gave everything they could to an art piece mm. and you were able to experience the pure authentic their insides basically right i agree that was beautifully put um what's the best filmmaking advice you received that is a good one uh well, I think it, I'm going to, I mean, this, I don't want to repeat myself, but I think it, it, it's about trusting yourself. And, and so, so for instance, 
I have a, a, a dope DP, Christian Caldwell, who DP'd online. He was my right-hand man. He also was like the AD um, for me. And he taught me a lot. There was a lot that I went in not knowing that he was extremely patient um, about. Um, he didn't want to, he wanted to, to help me in, in teaching me. And that's, that was that experience. But I think it's, again, like you guys just said, just being authentically you, like being true to what you want to do. And that's what I'm doing with like my projects moving forward. I had a, I had a lot of, like, I struggled with deciding, like, you know, you write all these scripts and you're like, well, which one, for a moment, you're like, well, which one will people like? And you're like, wait, wait, wait a second. No, that's not, that's not why you make movies. And that's not why you sweat and you cry and you stress over trying to make art because you want to put something out that people like. You want to make something that you like, that you can send next to. Um, mm. Because if you do, the audience is there. There are people who will rock with you because they're just your type of people, you know? Yeah, and that was, I think, the best thing that I've learned, or um, it was a combination of just different people giving me that advice. Like, be you. It's okay. You're going to have people who like it, and there will be a few that don't, and that's okay, too. Um, so, yeah, I think that was the best filmmaking advice that I've received. What is your favorite aspect of directing? My th I'm, a very, I'm a very visual person, so when I write in my script, I, I feel like I'm directing on the page because mm -hmm. I write exactly what I want to see, um, yeah. which is the benefit of being a writer as well. But I think just being um, the guiding light, you know what I mean? And, and being able to articulate what's in here to your crew and your cast, and then it shells. You know what I mean? I think that is exciting because you're like, I came up with this, or if you're not a writer, um, but in my case, I am like, I'm like, I wrote this and I'm directing this and they get it. Like, I'm not just like blowing smoke up someone's ass. I like that I've learned to communicate with people better. You know what I mean? Because you can't be a good director without knowing how to communicate. And yeah. so I like being able to take those lessons from set and applying them to my real life and vice versa. Because it really does work, you know, um, working with different actors or makeup people or, or whoever, you know, else is on your set um, can be challenging, especially because sometimes you don't know these people and you guys all have this, this, the same goal, but it's up to you to guide them, you know, to get to the, to the end result. So I think that's what I like. I like being the guiding light. It makes me feel accomplished, if you will. <laughs> you know. When you were, because you mentioned that when you were a kid, you were kind of like the band leader for your siblings. So you mm -hmm. think that you just, it sounds like you just already had it in you. Even I think so. You know, when you're young, before people start to judge you and make you feel like you're not a good person or whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, um, I felt like I was so free. You know what I mean? I was free to be whoever I wanted to be. And that is when I would, you know, steal my, my stepfather's camcorder and we would do music videos and I would film them secretly, you know, do all that stuff. I had to re like, I had to tap back into that person because that is the, the best director I've ever met. You know what I mean? Um, and I had to like reintroduce this version of me to that version. And so, yeah, I think it's always been there. Um, but sometimes you can forget. And it's again, it goes back to trusting you because um, yeah. you can do it. Like, you really can. Who are 
your favorite directors and your what are your favorite films? Okay, so that's a good question and I'm happy you asked. And I'm gonna keep it 100 with you both. Like, I am not one of those filmmakers who is, like, I'm not gonna name off a list of filmmakers because they're the filmmakers, right? My favorite filmmakers, um, I love Spike Lee. Um, because as a young black person, seeing yourself in movies and on the big screen is really, or any person of color, it's so important. Like my nephew going to see Black Panther, you know, he's five now. So when he came, when I came out, he was two or three. That means a lot. Or to see, take your, you know, a young girl seeing Captain Marvel or whatever the case is, like that matters. Um, so Spike Lee always will have a special place in my heart. I love Wes Craven. I used to always like pray to work with him. And um, unfortunately we lost him. My new favorite filmmakers that are like really popping right now. I love the Safdie brothers. Um, mm -hmm. I loved Good Time. I loved Uncut Gems. And I loved some of the shorts that they've done. Um, yeah, those are, I think right now, I'm spending a lot of time with Ari Aster. I loved The Witch. I loved Hereditary and all those fun, like um, Midsommar. Like that blew my, like blew me the fuck away. I'm like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. It really takes you on this like slow, creepy journey. And, and uh, you can see the ending, but you can't get away from it. You just have to like walk into it. And you're getting more and more creeped out the entire time. But you don't want to leave. You're like, but I'm gonna stay. I'm here though. <laughs> yeah, like I'm here. You know, those are the filmmakers that excite me. Like I think like, like especially the Safety Brothers, like what they're doing is so outside of the box and the, the way that they cast their films even. Like I read an article once about how they cast unknown actors or people who aren't actually actors and they mix, like it's a mixed bag of professionals. Like you have Robert Pattinson and some girl who literally did a school play in fifth grade. Um, but you wouldn't know it because they, they direct the hell out of these actors and that excites me as a filmmaker. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, I mean, is that allowed? You know what I mean? And it is allowed. So yeah, yeah I'm, I, I like With the indie market now, how everything's allowed. Mm -hmm. You don't have, I remember um, I was looking up how to write, I think I was looking at the proper way to format a song into a script. Okay. And one of the first articles that I found said, well, you wouldn't put it in anyway because the studio would have the song and put it in. And I was like, this article does not belong on the internet anymore. <laughs> that is, that's not how films are made. Mm -mm. Most times, you know, like, especially like so many indie films are made, even even larger directors are taking their films and doing them indie style and not having yeah. a studio behind them. So it's like, there are no rules. Just again, I mean, it really just goes back to what you're saying, like be yourself, do what you want. And sometimes you're gonna find that it works. And if it doesn't, you're like, okay, maybe not do that again, but we'll figure it out. You know, filmmaking mm -hmm. is a puzzle. You get to set sometimes and the shit blows up in your face. And you're like, okay, we'll figure it out. And when you have a solid producing team and AD, like when people are on your set and they're like, okay, that was effed up, let's get it together. Let's keep it moving, we'll figure it out. Those, those are the people I love working with because that's what makes this business worthwhile. Yeah. And, and it sucks right now because um, those are the people that are hurting the most with the shutdowns and everything. The people that actually tell the stories and help make them you know, um, a reality for us. So hopefully, Hollywood bounces back and people can get back to making magic. So. Yeah, I think it will. I think we're going to find a way. I mean, mm -hmm. America, the world has been infatuated with movies for so long. So and long. 
honestly, they are what, a lot of the times, they're what keep people okay, or just like their nose above the water, you know, yeah. Yeah. able to escape into wherever you need to go today or whatever, and meet, hang, hang out with your friends mm -hmm. <laughs> on TV. I mean, when I was in college, I would watch the show Friends every right. night from like 11 to 2, and I don't get that feeling anymore when I watch that show, but at the time, there's just some, it's the magic of it, you know, yeah. you to, to escape into their world. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, I got to uh, last night watching, I don't know if you've seen it, The North Shore, that surfing movie from the 80s. Oh my god, it's so it's so bad. It's good. Like, <laughs> oh, those are the best though. <laughs> they are. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, you're like, how did they get away with this? But it's so good. Like, you're like, yes, because we try to replicate that now. You know yeah. what I mean? And oh, it's, yeah. it's hard to do. It's like borderline creepy because like the main love interest are like teenagers, right? And it's like they have like sex on the beach, and it's like so like romance novels in the 70s like it's just <laughs> like the big hair and like the very oily body but it's just like what's that was the time mm -hmm. oh yeah I've, I've been watching like a lot of camp um 80s horror because my next project is horror is my favorite genre um oh, so awesome. I, yeah so i wanted my next project is paying homage to that i love it i respect it um, and horror has been reinvented, obviously, when you have people like Ari and, and Jordan Peele doing what they're doing. But I've always loved like the Candyman and Scream 1 and Scream 2 are two of my favorite movies in the entire world. <laughs> and I think I was so just blown away by like Drew Barrymore being slaughtered within the first 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> that I couldn't handle it. And then like Jada Pinkett Smith being violated. And I was just like, wait, that's not, that's not how this works. Like, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And I think I love the, like the take. Scream One was so original and I was so young. I was maybe like in fifth or sixth grade or maybe younger. And I remember it came out for Christmas and I snuck to the movies and I saw it. So <laughs> I watched, yeah, I, I watched Scream One and Two and Three every Christmas. Like those oh. are my Mm -hmm. Just a little Christmas morning slaughter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but speaking of camp, really quick, did, have you? I watched Cruising last night with Al Pacino. Cruising, I haven't seen it. Okay, so mm -hmm. Shutter has this new series, docu series called um, Cursed Films, because I'm all into true crime. I'm yeah, here for I'm hearing a lot about those cursed films. I was. The the docu series is really good. It's horrifying, first of all, and then but I wanted to like dig deeper. And um, one of the movies that I had like read about, it was um, was it The Exorcist? One of the guys in Exorcist turned out to be a legit killer. Like he was killing gay men in New York, and he was cruising, and he would you know meet with them and get with them, but then he would eventually kill them. And they made a movie with Al Pacino based on that. Wow. Oh yeah, it's terrible, but. Um, the movie's terrible, but it's it's extremely out of pocket and extremely violent and intriguing. Like you can't look away. There's a lot of leather and S and M and blood. It's it's interesting. They went for it. They went. No, oh yeah, they for sure went for it. Um, but that was the first time I had seen it last night. So I'm I'm deep, I'm knee deep in camp right now. I'm, I'm into it. I love it. 
Awesome. What your next project is, Julie Does Murder? Is that your next horror project? It is. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm happy you knew that. Yes, it is. So, can I tell you about it? Yes, of course. So, Julie is a, a, a door-to-door vintage perfume salesman. And I love that. I'm here already. Oh, my God. oh, yes. And so basically, he's very insecure. He's not a good salesman. Um, and he's one of those guys who just cannot catch a break. You know what I mean? And eventually he decides he loses control of being turned down. He he's down on his luck and and he decides to kind of like take control of his life and through through discovering his true self, he realizes that he has an obsession with the human neck. And he has this, I'm going to be really cheesy, this appetite for murder. <laughs> and uh, he, yes, yeah, so I'm playing with the whole necro, ne- the necrophiliac thing, not sleeping with dead bodies, but the Urban Dictionary version. And it's, it's basically super campy. It's, um, sh- we're going to shoot it in Silver Lake at Echo Park. Um, originally, I wanted to film it in San Francisco in Castro District, the Castro District, but I could not find the talent that I needed in San Francisco. Um, but we'll be filming that hopefully when all this goes away. Um, I'm excited. Like it's very stylized. It's very me. It. I'm, I'm excited for people to see it because it's a it's a total departure from Lime. Lime was very cathartic for me. It was, a, it was something I needed to do, not just. Bless you, not just for the for the sake of it, but for myself, for my sanity. Um, it saved my life. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. It really, it really did. Um, but this, um, I'm very excited about. There's a lot of blood and camp, and the costume design is so fun. And we're playing with like a lot of vintage and patterns, so it should be fun. Oh, that sounds fantastic! I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited. I really am. So yeah, that's the next one. Yeah. So speaking of all of that, what has your creative process been like during COVID? Um, I'm not going to lie. It's been very difficult to focus on much of anything um, outside of COVID. Um, I just, I'm not going to lie, I just cracked open the script for Dooley like the night before last. Mm-hmm. I've been cracking it open for three weeks and I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to back in and just revisit, you know, see like if there's something I can add to it or, and I just can't. And last night I finally forced myself to do it. And I'm happy I did because I spent three hours just at my laptop, like not looking at COVID updates and not just scrolling aimlessly through social media. Like I'm like, when I put, when I closed my laptop, I was like, oh, that felt good. Like I was in this world that allowed me to just be, you know? And I know a lot of people are struggling because a lot of times you feel obligated to be creative. You know, for most of us, it's a job. Um, But I encourage everybody to just go visit that script or that song that you put on hold maybe even a year ago. See if it, you know, if there's something that you can, you know, add to it and it really might break that writer's block or that that creative block I think a lot of people are having. So I've been struggling with it, but I'm trying to, you know, get back into being creative. I really like what you said about revisiting because I feel like right now, because everybody's at home, we have this need to come up with something new right now and like this is the time to reinvent and but like you know, this is the time to revisit. I actually just started 
two nights ago or last, yeah, two nights ago, editing some footage that I've had for, I don't know, since January that wow. I just don't want to do with. I've just had it on my computer and been like, I don't know what to do with any of this. And then I started editing it and it's totally different than what, like the edit I'm coming up with is totally different than what I thought, but I love it. Mm. It, it feels so much more fulfilling to finish something I started a while ago than to come up with something new now. Because this is not really the best time to come up with something new. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's raining, you know? I love that, though. I like what you just said, because that's, what, that's the, what I felt. Like, it, I obviously had the script, but then I went in and literally there's, I, I, you know, I have so many notes for myself and I'm changing things. I'm like, oh, this actually would be more exciting. Or what about this? You know, maybe we can shoot it this way. Like I'm even, you know, doing all my, my storyboards, I'm changing things there. And it's almost like a new script to me. You That's know what exciting. I mean? And yeah, it's exciting and it's fulfilling. So revisit, hashtag revisit guys. <laughs> revisit. revisit. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to create new stuff. Yeah, or made a time, you know? Right. How do you see COVID changing the film industry? That's a good question, too, because I was, um, like I told you guys, I went to Outfest and I was planning on going to South by Southwest just to support, because I love seeing films. I'm, I'm very into dope shit and I love celebrating filmmakers. Like, I'm like, I love going, especially up in commerce. I love seeing a movie and leaving inspired myself. I'm like, did you see that? Like, let's get to work. You know what I mean? Cause people are out here creating good shit, you know? Um, so I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if people are editing films right now or if they have them, are, will there be a slam dance, you know? Or will there be another South by Southwest at the top of next year? What does that mean? Because everyone's kind of frozen. So if you were in production, what does that mean for you? Um, will everything just be pushed out and will we have a whole bunch of summer festivals moving forward? Because you have to give people time to actually produce quality content, you know? So I don't know. I've read a few articles about, you know, social distancing, but I don't know how that works on a set. Like when you have actors kissing each other or touching each other, um, and you know, makeup people. I I don't know. I hope that we all. This is me just being hopeful and optimistic. COVID is it, it'll go away and <laughs> we'll be back on set. You know, doing our thing. Um, but that is a good question. I can't wait to see. I hope that we we're a creative bunch. We'll figure something out that makes yes, sense. Definitely. Um, that is a fact. You know what I mean? If so. any industry is full of the people to bounce back from this and create a new system. If we have to create a whole new way of working on set, then these are the people to do it. Exactly. We will get it done. Or even if that means like only having actors on, instead of having people sitting in trailers all day or you know indie filmmakers like ourselves, when we have smaller sets, you know, typically everyone's just hanging out. Literally, maybe we say, okay, you don't come to set until it's your time, like legit, don't even show up until it's time to shoot. Like. Uh, makeup people like who you know only have the required or necessary bodies on set so that we yeah. can practice social distancing um, and we can kind of keep it as safe as possible. You know what I mean? I, I think we'll figure it out. That would be great because actually there is a lot of waste on set. You mm -hmm. know, like time spent, you're just you're sitting around for hours and hours and hours, and everybody's just picking out the snacks. And <laughs> 
I think there can really be a lot of efficiency that comes from from all of this, you know? Yeah. yeah. The film industry actually hasn't changed. I mean, the way that we make it, the way we run sets, hasn't really changed in like a long time. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Something like that. Because, no, again, people want to follow the rules. It's the same, you know. Even when you're on a sitcom or a TV show as an actor, like, why, why, when they know they're not going to need you until 8 p.m., why am I here at 6 a.m.? Yeah. What? When you know? Come on, guys. No. Call me when it's time. I'll be there. Yeah. You know? hmm. That was one of the reasons Patrice O'Neill, um, the late, great comic of the 90s, he was uh, casted onto the office with the other actor who plays, um, I can't remember his name, the warehouse worker. Um, in the office? Yeah. With the afro. Yeah, with the afro. Uh, and then with the feet. Craig, Craig Robinson. Yes, Craig Robinson. Um, and Patrice was like, you know, I was on set 12 hours and I was pissed. By the time I, we were rolling, I was such in a bad mood and I couldn't get over it. And he quit the industry because I don't want to wait around for 15 hours a day. Like, what is this madness? That's so oh. funny because I remember him being in a lot of the earlier episodes and then he kind of just was gone. Yeah. Like, fuck you people. Wow. Wait for so long. I'm not doing this. It, yeah. Because we we all like to say, like, we, we do it because we love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. As, yeah. In the beginning, you love it. But yeah. then it becomes a job, like a yeah. legit job. And you're like, okay. I'm not seeing my spouse, or if I have children one day, I'm not seeing them often. Um, and it's hard fucking work, you know? Not everybody, like, for instance, the show Euphoria. Um, I've read several articles on how that show, I thought it was beautiful, um, the way that they filmed it. The cinematography is out of this world. Um, and Zendaya is great in that show. I'm so happy for her. But it took them, I think, an additional six months um, to create that show. Like they went way past, you know, the the time frame in which they had uh, wow. proved to make that show. Um, yeah, the creator is a first time showrunner. So people are like, well, maybe that is what it was. But from all the people that I know that have worked on it, um, it was one of the most, like people who've worked on like blockbusters are like, that show was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, their creative life. And I was just like, I, like what? You know what I mean? But well, I guess like all of the the way that they decided to shoot, like, you know, if you've seen the show, there's a I mean it's I, I had that question too. I don't wanna I don't wanna lie. Um I don't know why, but um I, I would hope it was all for good reason. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's so well shot. Maybe yeah. I don't I don't know. Wow. Okay, I had like a different reaction. Maybe it was because of the place I was in my life. But mm. I watched the first episode, and I thought like the storyline was good. It reminded me of Skins, mm. um, and and then like I just kept like seeing all like the imagery of like underage girls who are just like naked and posing, and then like all like the revenge porn, and I was just like overwhelmed. I was like, oh shit, I can't watch this right now. It's just like. I, I don't know. They were just, it got to me. I'm like, wait, wait, these are supposed to be like 16 year olds. And like, I'm watching this. Like, what? I just. I, I, I had a lot of trouble with that. The first time I watched it, I was like, Ugh. yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I feel creepy. I don't know. And then I just I pushed past it. 
So I I felt the same way. Well, what happened was I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, this looks like a music video, so maybe not. Um, And then I have a younger sister who just turned 17. And one night we were hanging out and we were having to watch. And so she was like, you know, I was like, let's, we both were like, let's watch it. Let's let's just go for it. And we were like six episodes behind at this point. Mm -hmm. And so watching her watch it and discussing it with her, I felt more comfortable watching it because she was surprisingly able to relate to a lot of what was happening, not the cam stuff, but she has friends who are in the queer space or the queer spectrum. The, what they did with um, Hunter's character was mm-hmm. fantastic. I think some of the storylines are, are very violent and very scary, but I think it puts in the forefront, um, honestly, like you don't, the, the, I'm, I'm so happy that the homophobia wasn't there. You know what I mean? There is, there are characters who struggle with their sexuality, but I think it's a commentary on that the yeah. down low yeah. or how we should treat trans people. I love that Hunter's character literally did her, her, um, e- you know, her estrogen shot and that was it. We're not going to go on a deep dive and she's trans and this is why it's a big deal. She is a woman in the show and that's it. Who happens to be trans, the end. Mm-hmm. I think once I, when I, so the first time I watched it, I was watching it as a 25 year old mm-hmm. and it made me feel really fucking weird. And then, but I, but I did enjoy the character so much. So then when I watched episode two, I was like, be 15. Like, remember what you were like when you were in high school. And when I put myself in that mind space, I was like, the show is perfect. Because that's exactly how high school felt for me. That is not what it looks like. That is not what I, like. I didn't look like that. They didn't look like that. They didn't look like that. But to me at the time, that's how it felt. It was this mm-hmm. like magical, weirdly horny, um super extravagant experience of of just nighttime like yeah oh it's beautiful but i think too like let's think about it like we have a lot of drug issues in our country i think sometimes we all forget that because it it's not knocking on our door but i read articles and people are like teenagers aren't doing that i'm like um, especially here like what are you kidding yeah they are and kids are having sex and we do talk about abortions and i think it again if nothing else it's a commentary on 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 those things i think for people who don't understand like you know my sister maybe didn't understand what it's like to to decide to have an abortion like one of the characters and she had to make that tough decision um so i think like it's hit or miss i get it it's as an adult it is tough to watch yeah okay at least these people are actually of age Cause you hear about like stuff like I love interview with a vampire, but in no world do I understand um like five-year-old Kristen Dunst like kissing an adult man. I don't yeah. care what anyone is talking about. Yeah. Like <laughs> no. Definitely. Not allowed. It's not allowed. You know, it's not allowed. Interesting about Euphoria, like usually if a show kind of um what is it, like beautifies or like elev or what is the word I'm looking glorifies. for? Glorifies. Yeah, if it like glorifies a certain uh, toxic behavior or like drug use or whatever, I'm always I've really taken aback by it. And something that's interesting is that even though the show is so beautiful and the characters are so well developed, I don't feel that it 
does glorify. Like, right. It really is just like a look. Mm -hmm. The the good sides and the bad sides. I think because all the characters have such extreme issues, like they're not like, oh, I kind of dabble. Like, no, all of them have like extreme storylines. It's like yes. that one's on drugs, that one's in an abusive relationship, this one is about to OD for the eighth time. Mm -hmm. I think that can be like a sensory overload. You're yeah. like, wait a second. Oh my God, definitely. It's a lot. It's like These are little babies. Where are the parents? But I think um, <laughs> Zendaya's character is what grounds it because she's her character is always in danger. She's yeah. not a good person, and I think they they tackle that you know with the writing. I think they she's the narrator, but she makes a lot of bad decisions, and she doesn't get away with those bad decisions. It always comes back to bite her in the ass. And so I think if from a writing standpoint, I can't speak for the writers' room, but I I, I hope as a whole when you look at the series it's all not for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I had high anxiety because I thought it was going to be like a one season and done. And I was like, if they kill her at the end of this, I'm writing an email. <laughs> that's not going to work, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm writing an email. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. But yeah, you're for it, huh? We'll see. Okay, so what advice do you have for other artists? in general, not just filmmakers, but other artists, uh, specifically during this time? Um, d during this time and also just like beyond, like be yourself and do that unapologetically. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I'm gonna be honest with you. So like, I've been doing like a lot of interviews and stuff for Lime and people have been very supportive and blogs and things like that. And it's been really cool, but I had never felt comfortable ever like two three years ago i would have never told someone i was non-binary or like you know taking photos with my nails painted or any of that um through this experience and through deciding that i was going to be the controller of my life like i've had agents and i've had the publicist talk and you know when i was like 18 i remember i hired a publicist and they they sat me down and they were like well this is how you should talk and make sure you don't talk with your hands uh, because then they'll you know, that whole thing. And and I and it's weird because now you live in a world where you have a Sam Smith or a Kalani um, who are un unapologetically themselves. And but today's youth has that. You know what I mean? They have shows like Euphoria, whereas we didn't, you know, even 10 years ago. So create art that that you connect with, create art that you're gonna be proud to stand next to, um, and truly accept who you are if you can. Um, because for me, Lime was super, like I said, super cathartic, but it introduced me to the person that I've always dreamt of being. And, and through my art, I was able to do that. And I'm able to do that because it's still a journey. But just, you know, fall in love with yourself, fall in love with your art, believe that you're the shit because you are. Um, and if you believe that, then there's no competition because there can't be another you because you're taken. And I know that's hella cliche, but it's true. It's true. It's true. So be yourself and make dope stuff and believe in it. Thank you for having me and thank you for watching Lime and um, inviting me on the podcast. Oh my God, I wanted to tell you, it made me cry. I really, oh. I really the end <laughs> when he was crying to his mom, mm -hmm. that was, he like oh my, oh my god I didn't even get to like just compliment you I can't wait oh, to thank you. he just 
the way that the acting was so authentic and the words that he said were so, I loved your choice of dialogue in that it was so concise. Thank you for noticing that. I, as a, like when you write, like, here's my thing. I am from Compton, California. I wanted people from LA, from Compton to see themselves in this. And so I wrote how we talk, you know what I mean? How I would talk to my family, not how I would talk in an interview. And and I'm happy that um, Uriah Ross, who, by the way, came to set, we filmed that movie in two days. And I remember he he dove in, like, straight away. Um, And I mean, it was a long two days. And that was the end of day two. And... uh, him and Alana Barton, who plays um, the matriarch, she gave us that dialogue, um, that monologue, maybe four, like maybe, I'm not even lying, maybe five or six times, straight through. And they, they're both so terrific. And I, it's, wow. you know, because of them that you reacted that way. So thank you. Yeah, of course. It was just so beautiful to watch. There's so much emotional stamina. It was really. Impactful. I appreciate that. It's very sweet. You're no i mean because that movie you know before you guys you know before we go it's on amazon you guys can watch it now and it'll it'll be on deco which is a lgbtq streaming service pretty soon yeah it's on retrospective of jupiter as well and again it's a movie about overcoming adversity um it's about people who feel like they can't be themselves um in the spaces that they belong to and that they love and that is that was my that was my story, you know what I mean? And I it's easy to tell somebody, oh, it gets better. But I need people that look like me and other people of color and even not like other queer kids, white, black, purple, green, whatever, to know that here I am standing in front of you. I had some dark moments as a youth. I did not believe I would even make it to where I'm at now. You know, and I'm here and Lyme is for everybody who who is is going through shit and and doesn't know where to turn. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy it's out there and I hope people watch it and enjoy it. And thank you guys for having me and letting me talk about all this stuff. Yes, yeah, of course. This has been so absolutely enjoyable and enlightening. Yeah. Really appreciated it. Thank you guys. It was so much fun. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay popping. Woo! <laughs>